good position. Affirmative. Negative. I am the milkman. My milk is delicious. Roger that. Okay, let's go. Welcome to the Best Linux Games Podcast. Go, go, go! The best Linux games, the best games available for the uh, GNU slash Linux operating system via the mechanism and distribution network known as Steam, brought to you by Valve. After 700,000 years, the Steam has come to Linux, and beyond that, it has come to Linux in the form of the egalitarian Linux-like platform, Steam, an open marketplace in which... That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's Saturday, and that means it's time for one thing. It's time for the podcast where the quality goes in before the name goes on. You're listening to the Best Linux Games Podcast, a companion piece to the uh, Steam group of the same name. Find us on Steam, you know, uh, join us on Steam, and friend me on Steam. My name is Scooky Sprite. I am your host. In case this is your first time here, uh, the ground rules for everything that we do are very simple. We have news. We have the latest titles that we are interested in. Of course, features, you know, like kind of in-depth looks or reviews. And then we have, of course, everyone's favorite the deals! Uh, the best games that you can buy for as cheap as possible. If you join us on the group, our recommendations are curated with the sole criteria of... It must run on Linux, and it must be really good. These are recommendations only, of course. Uh, not complete reviews, which generally will follow, um, especially once they get some other mofos on this show. And as always, the content that awaits you ahead may not be appropriate for members of all species, races, genders, classes, creeds, and especially might not be age or work appropriate. So, it begins. Let's get the Linux gaming on, bitches! Hello, friends and neighbors. Welcome to episode 128 the fifth recording of it, of the best Linux games podcast. This is being recorded for you on this fantastic uh, Wednesday, the 12th of April, 2017, 14.02 p.m. Pacific time. That would, oh, Ivor Molina in the booth over there reminds us to use our sequel because we are not slovenly, monstrous, disgusting creatures, irrational, insane. We are tool users, Thank you, Ivor. Thank you for reminding Oh, he also says hello to everyone. Ivor, the audience says hello to you. Uh, so, sequel, uh, 2017, 04, 12, 14, 02. Um, more or less, 202 p.m. Pacific Coast time. Uh, yes, for those of you who are paying attention, Ivor, you're fired. Um, just gotta get that out of the way. Um, for those of you paying attention, long-time listeners or whatever, uh, those of you who are familiar with our little show here in uh, non-Radio Land, um, most of you probably gave me up for dead. Uh, I hope that you gave up Ivor for dead, even though 
you continue to express your misguided love for him at the beginning of every show. Uh, yes, this is, I think, the single latest episode that we've ever produced. Eh, the Day X one may have been close. But, uh, so in our top stories, all we have for you this week, top stories, we have one top story in particular that we're going to talk about. A big momentous thing. Um, but first of all, in our top stories, why are we so late this week? Well, Ivor and I, we knew, I knew that this was going to be a, not just a busy weekend, but, uh, a busy, Ten days for me, starting going back to like maybe two Thursdays ago. So I was planning for this to be kind of a busy time. Nothing to do with taxes. My taxes actually, um, Joe, along with Joe, Jokey Kendall, even though his computer is still broken, uh, Joe decided to take a break from uh, the stress of his uh, evidently, um. Well, not evidently. It's just he has he had no time to uh, really drill down into what the fuck is wrong with my motherboard, uh, and he's been playing a lot of Darkest Dungeon, um, which is a stressful game. And he, last I heard from him, it's like, yeah, I'm in like the fifth, fifth. Uh, I'm in the first Darkest Dungeon, and I, I, I'm about to beat it, and it's been very stressful for me. I'm gonna relax tomorrow by doing my taxes. Um, and I totally knew what he was talking about. Uh, my taxes were basically done. They, they're finished now, of course. Um, <laughs> I say, of course, to lord it over other people that are like me. Anyway, and I had begun preparing for this episode of the show, which should have, we normally come out on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday um, maybe Monday at the latest Tuesday, I mean, you know, we've been later than Monday before, but uh, I began preparing for this show on Tuesday of last week, Thursday Thursday, late Thursday night Ivor generously made time out of um, his uh, job search and uh, waiting in bread lines and uh Etc. Other government, governmental, uh, you know, aid offices and stuff to come in on late Thursday night. We did an hour and forty minute long show. It was one of the best shows that we've ever done. Um, because, like I, I said, we we're, we have a tough topic to cover this week. Um, and I thought that it was completely out of the way. Literally, very rarely it happens where it's a, it's happened before a couple times. One hundred twenty eight. You know, blah. We've had some time to kind of get a feel for. <laughs> mm. Maybe not. Uh, <laughs> maybe not. Externally, it might not look like we kind of know what we're doing, but we've been doing this for a while now, and uh, we do know uh, the rare moments where I take off the headphones and I'm like, Ivor, that was that was great. I'm really, really, really pleased with that show. You know, it involves a lot of compromises. You know, it's a, it's a difficult thing uh, doing Linux broadcasting or any sort of podcasting. Um, especially when, you know, you're the guy who has to run the whole fucking show. Especially run the show in spite of having technical um, handicap of some 
someone like Ivor Molina, um, who I don't even think has ever listened to a single word I've ever said. Uh, I'm just trying to see if he's going to respond or not right now. Aha! Yeah, fuck you too, Ivor. Fuck you, Baltimore. So, I pull off the headphones. It is like now 2 o'clock in the morning on Friday morning. I'm like, oh, I'm so glad that we... We, we covered this huge, tremendously difficult topic. We did a huge review and feature. It wasn't a review, but it was a first look at. Um, you know, all this stuff involves prep time. Like, you know, I can't talk about a game until I've played it, you know, to some significant extent. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. I, we had all the deals. We had great deals lined up. And we covered the biggest story that uh, that needed to be covered. And it was, you know, all except anyway. So I pull off the headphones, and it, you know, even though it sounds like a long show, that was that was about half as long as I, you know, worst case scenarioed it would be. And uh, I got the thumbs up from Ivor. He was smiling. I was smiling. It was a love fest. Oh, that's right. Ivor's holding up the whiskey sign because he could tell that I'm getting angry at this memory. Ah, uh, yeah. Mm. And it was at that moment at like two o'clock in the morning on Friday. Mission accomplished. <laughs> Poured my first real big glass of whiskey and I've been waiting for it at the, that point. And uh, Ivor's still smiling, giving me the thumbs up and we're all very proud and that's when I realized that uh, Ivor had set up Q-Jack Control to somehow like have a loop back uh, that in no way involved the recording aspect of uh, our enterprise. So yeah, that that was like the first bad sign that, oh, this is going to be di- more difficult than we thought. Mm. So then we did, um, and so then I had several personal crises occur. I mean, literally I had, I had major personal issues. Um, numerous Actually, do numer- I, you know, I'm not going to go into them, but uh, to the point where, like, between anyway, so Friday night, we try to do it again, and it's a disaster because I I'm a drunken mess, and uh, all of our deals had expired, so I had to you know outline a whole new show, and then try to do like the big story again. Which I had, you know, I had nailed it. I had spent a lot of time outlining and thinking about what I wanted to say about the big... And, you know, it's a big, big, big story. It's a, and a personally affecting story for me and for many other people, and uh, etc. And uh, speaking extemporaneously about these sorts of things is, you know, if you've ever done radio or, you know, if you have a podcast of your own or any sort of broadcasting at all to any capacity for any amount of time, you know that it is fucking difficult, <laughs> even if you're working off of note cards, um, even and even if those note cards are just in your head, um, it's very difficult to do to deliver an hour long extemporaneous speech about a topic that you feel very strongly about and um, is very important and also an emotional topic. It's very difficult to find out that you have to do take two of that. And uh, so take two of that was terrible, which I expected. So then it was Saturday. And I was constantly busy with other stuff. Blah, but Saturday was the third iteration 
of the show. Meaning, you know, like I whiteboard every every show. Ivor and I actually, um, that's you know, we do our rundowns. It's how we know what to talk about. Um, that's why we have you know segments and stuff. <laughs> this is the third whiteboard of the show because the deals that we had for Thursday, you know, Thursday night that were going to be like you know Friday and Saturday, all of them had expired. The um, deals that we, you know, preserved for the second take on Friday, um, all of those had, by the time Saturday night came around, had expired. We are now over deadline. And uh, I have to try to, once again, get through this top story, this major story. And uh, I instead of doing that, I just did this whole other show that I'd whiteboard, figuring that I'll record the top story thing as a separate segment. Rest of the show got out of control, but we had no deals. Um, we did talk a lot about <laughs> you know, and you find yourself this happens sometimes in the in you, know, you don't like to eh, I don't know, I've been doing I've been doing music and radio but specifically music composition, arranging, recording, engineering, performance, and uh studio performance. For almost for longer than I've been in Linux now. Anyway, so like <laughs> you find the goal is to not have to have this scenario that is unfolded like a fucking car crash happen where you're trying to record all re-record, re-record all this wasted effort. If we had just and the levels were perfect that, that night, yeah. It was great and sounded great in the headphones too. I was get it's great and everything was perfect. Except that we didn't record it. It was, it was, we recorded everything but recorded everything but the mix of, but <laughs> Ivor, yeah. Yeah, Ivor's looking nervous over there. He should be nervous. He should be very nervous. Cause like at this point, I can't fire you anymore, Ivor. I, and right now, like my rageometer is getting to the point where I want to kill you. Yeah. Oh no, and it won't be a beatdown. It'll be I'll finish it. Yeah. I'm looking right at him. He's right there. Pretty fucked up. Anyway, so we do the third take of the show. And it is not the show that needs to be. It's a good show, but it's not the show that has to be done. This then then uh uh I had no time on Sunday. Starting Sunday at literally 7 o'clock in the morning, I went for 40 hours, um, more or less, uh, with this 3D printing project, and then I had uh, fucking what was supposed to be just a minor consultation meeting for, you know, for uh, programming, you know, anyway, for freelance stringer stuff, programming, you know, system and shit, and uh, that turned into a fucking I thought I thought it was going to be a 15 minute consultation but it turned out to be a gigantic meeting of the minds and blah, 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 and that that uh, spiraled out of control from like a 3 o'clock in the afternoon kind of thing into like uh, okay well hey what are you doing for dinner you'll kill it yeah no let's go to the bar fuck that let's get drunk um, and you know 11 o'clock at night there I am now we're doing the fourth take 
on Tuesday, on yesterday, and it was just a weepy, ranty disaster. So, we're breaking... There you go. Now you know why we're so late. No, I was not dead. I'm sorry to disappoint some of you. Um, so this time, let's try to do it for real and try to get the whole show. We're not. We're clearing the decks for our number one top story, and then we have another uh, thing in our top stories where I'm going to tell you what we're working on, what we've been working on, what we have in the pipeline. I mean, this is stuff like things are at various stages of completion in terms of like our readiness to use them as features, but uh, I want to just give you a breakdown of like what what we've been working on. It's not what I'm playing, but it's actually what the show has been working on. Um, and it'll provide, you know, we'll get this top story done uh, and then we'll have, you know, like, uh, kind of, it'll be a good way to kind of get us into a reset so that on Friday or Saturday when we have our next episode, <laughs> which is the episode for next week which will be this week because this is this actual episode that you're listening to right now which is 128D <laughs> um, was supposed to be last week's episode so yeah I guess you could call it a make good or whatever but that's that's what we're doing we don't have any deals we have no features um, we have no new and noteworthy uh, and we're not going to talk a lot about games our Oh, by the way, uh, next week's ep- episode, which will be on, you know, this week, Friday, the, Friday, whatever the, what, today's the 12th, Wednesday the 12th, um, so you do the math, uh, Friday or Saturday, this weekend's episode, 100, episode 129, will also mark the return of the column. So I know everyone's been in greasy, hot, rabid anticipation of the return of the column. Um, and it, it's unfathomable glory. Uh, the metrics for which they are mathematically inexpressible in terms of its profound popularity and widespread um, <laughs> adoration by any and all, even non-literate pygmy tribes of uh, the pol- polar regions of our nation's planet. <laughs> that includes both North and South. Um, anyway, and then also on top of all of this, by the way, as one final excuse, um, and I try to keep this as Trump of Trump's Trump free a zone as possible. Uh, every day since Thursday has been unfucking believable. Ultimately, accumulating with like, okay, so like, yeah, okay, so we had Syria on Friday. Anyway, um, and then uh, Sunday morning, you know, North Korea was like, yeah, we're gonna fucking go to nuclear war if you come at us, bro. <laughs> and we have, a, for the first time in ever, we have a president who's not just, not only is he not credible, seems to be operating without, like, uh, the hindrance of strategy, makes mutually assured destruction and the Cold War and all my feelings from my entire life as a child and everything that I feel is important and good and worth saving um, not just about democracy not just about America but about the world and freedom itself um, completely fucking imperiled makes mad mutual assured destruction makes the advent of the MERV system for ICBMs um, <laughs> you know seem like okay cool this is great 
this is great. This is going to just, everyone had, because, you know, we were operating with under the premise that everyone who's a nuclear-powered country, one, at least if there are only two, if there are only two people who are going to get into nuclear war and end the world, World War Three back then, the idea was that at least one of them would not be insane, um, and hope you know. Hopefully, that would be us, the U. You know, United States. Um, that was one one premise that helped to, you know, um, completely destabilize every nuclear power at that point. Um, two, that both parties in engaged in you know nuclear brinksmanship would also feel from a national level as you know like their leaders um would feel that they actually had something to lose other than the possibility that ultimately no matter how the chips fall where they may that they can you know say that they were proved right which is insane it's beyond crazy you know, like, we felt it, like, you know, be great if, uh, and it was great, that generally, at least one person wasn't willing to lose everything and or forgetting the moral culpability of being the greatest mass murderer in history and also ender of the world. That's all out the window. And then three, that, you know, even if they're lying and even if they're lying to their diplomatic and, you know, uh, national counterparts, like, you know, uh, 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 Cuban Missile Crisis, or even Khrushchev, you know, blah, 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 that their, or, or to the, their own public, or to any um, global public, like the UN, or whatever, issuing statements about what we're doing with the fucking nu- impending end of the world that is about to happen, um, even if they're lies, that these people are capable of they're lying for a reason, so like you can still see, like ah, within the lies, there's still oh, it's possible to etch out the uh, outlines of logical frameworks that provide predictability and structured, basically no whammies, no surprises, um, and uh, also credibility. Uh, that's kind of what I'm talking about, like a basic oh sense that this person is. If they're lying, they're lying for a reason. There is no reason here. And uh, it's a scary, scary place. Um, Nuclear big dick pissing contest between two crazy motherfuckers who believe in absolutely nothing and have no concept of anything beyond themselves uh, and their own ego. Yeah. So the the world was kind of ending, and that all culminated yesterday. Like I said, I tried to keep this as Trump-free as own as possible. And then yesterday, Sean Spicer said that Assad was worse than Hitler, and uh, because, you know, there was no Holocaust, and Hitler didn't use any chemical weapons. I mean, because, you know, Hitler may have been bad guy, but he wasn't so bad. So, like, now, like, all of my amusement, which has been tried to the breaking point, beyond anything that I talk about on this show, with Sean Spicer, basically, it was like that uh, episode of MSC3, you know, if a relationship is stressed too much, you can snap where to go! Yesterday, I hit the breaking point with Sean Spicer, where I was no longer capable of looking on the lighter side of him being the bemusing, uh, you know, late 50s, 
uh, prepubescent girl. My whole thing was that Sean Spicer, any day now, he's going to get his period and he would blossom into the woman that, that we all, you know, the young woman that's that's in, inside of him. Um, and I have every faith of that, but I now no longer have any capacity for general <sighs> amusement or even really listening to Sean Spicer anymore. And this guy is like really, 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 really taking me beyond. He's really stretched my own uh, emotional and intellectual vagina um, and its capacity to endure uh, just monster-sized fascist big, 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 big telephone pole size fucking all redwood size fucking boatloads of fucking insane offensive irrational rhetoric that from a press sec- from a White House press secretary official briefing standpoint has end over end amazed me beyond anything I've ever seen and it, and at one point you know up until yesterday I actually had an appreciation um from a you know parliamentary argumentation and debate kind of forensic kind of rhetorical appreciation for his absolute abject nonsense because he's got nothing to deal with and I thought that uh, his misdirections have been fantastic and they've been absolutely infuriating but fantastic but then yesterday when you not only do you disavow essentially the holocaust ever happening and say that someone right now is worse than Hitler the thing that really, really super made this way less, way less tolerable for me. That's already like redlining it kind of for me. It's like, wow, okay. I really have no patience for, I thought like we decided about the Holocaust and Holocaust deniers and stuff like that. Um, but uh, you know, the icy hand of Steve Bannon seen reaching spiritually like, uh, gruesome phantasms oozing ghoulish goo uh, reaching out like uh, the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark from Sean Spicer's mouth yesterday when uh, basically the White House press secretary and he didn't misspeak it was not like a um, it wasn't a slip of the tongue it was like a deliberate rhetorical point uh, even if it was delivered in the heat of a moment it was exactly what he meant to say it was a deliberate rhetorical point and that press conference went on for another 20 minutes before anyone bothered to bring that up again. Which was horrifying to me. It's like, whoa! Hey, Sean! Yeah, uh, Seth Barkin, Wall Street, you know, Journal or fucking whatever. You know, Breitbart. Yeah, Seth Barkin, Breitbart Media. Uh, yeah. Um, I just want to go over, you just said, uh, and then read back the quote. What? That would have happened to me if I'd been in that room the second he was finished answering that question and, you know, if he called on me. And, of course, he would call on me and no one in that room. And, and by the way, his, his opinion, it, you know, the things that he said about Hitler and Assad and chemical weapons were, like, not just broadly offensive to anyone who's like a Jew or any fan of history or reality or not taking things to this level for no reason. Oh yeah, Hitler's worse than the No. 
No, he's not worse than. But also, that's like you know, why are we playing this game and why you're don't do this anyway. Even forgetting that his ruminations on this when he initially said it went on for about over 45 seconds. He said, made it a statement. There was no follow-up, and he elaborated on that statement immediately. And, you know, as he said it, he was like, well, you know, not even Hitler was, you know, blah. And he said, like, five sentences after that. Anyway, my bottom line was Sean Spicer, and this was yesterday, and I was like, oh my god, that was a Sean Spicer alarm. We've entered a Trump zone. No, this is a Sean Spicer thing. Not even a Holocaust thing. My thing yesterday, and I mean, I lost all ability to even not hate Sean Spicer. I mean, to really not revile and loathe Sean Spicer in like a disgusting, like, oh, wow, you are. Your antithetical filth. I mean, like, you are not just morally and intellectually and politically bankrupt, you know, you're, you're, you're actually like major league scum. Um, anyway, so yesterday, the only things that I ever want to hear from Sean Spicer are the next time I hear Sean Spicer, he better be answering this from, you know, either me or a surrogate. So if you're a member of the white house press corps, um, who still has access to, uh, to our beloved little prepubescent. We were going to throw him a quinceanera on Facebook. I swear to God, I've been planning this for like literally a month and a half. And uh, yeah, no, all of this is out the window now. I have no sense of humor about Sean Spicer. But the next question, I next time I hear Sean Spicer's voice, he better be answering this, posed by a legitimate journalist. Then he doesn't just shout. I don't care what he says. I want to know his response to this. And I want him to get out, to let, let, the, let the question get out. I just have two questions for you, Sean. Um, one, how many uh, how many Jews were killed during the Holocaust? And two, how many uh, uh, how how were they killed in Germany? You know, and I mean, if we want to start, you know, measuring fucking atrocious dicks. You know, not just throughout history, but, you know, atrocious genocidal dicks, not just throughout history, but from a moral perspective, and we want to mix in contemporaries in this equation. It's retarded to even contemplate. Um, Wow, what? Like, okay, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not trying to defend Assad here. I'm, I'm just, I just need to know the answer to those two questions from Sean Spicer. That's it. But I mean, like, you know, if you, if you want to really know some shit about World War II, um, I mean, you know, one genocide is not more repugnant than the other just because it was an ethnic genocide, although that makes it creepier and scarier, especially if you have any sort of identity. See, because, like, what's to, what's, what's, what's it to say tomorrow? It's, you know, not like, you know people who are cross-eyed in America. Anyway, that's, you know, that's the glory of fascism. But, uh, check out, uh, wasn't until about two years ago that, that I really got an accurate accounting of this number from, like, a historically reliable source. Um, if you want to read, it's this book called The Bloodlands, which is really about how Stalin's purges combined with the, you know, absolute unthinkable mechanized atrocity, um, civilian atrocity of the Holocaust 
which is creepy in every way. Check out IBM and the Holocaust. That's a fantastic book. It's about Watson and the rise of computing. How do we know where all the Jews are? How do we have, oh, and, you know, America's complicity in providing, uh, you know, pre-burning of the Reichstag, but, you know, blah, the Third Reich with the data and informatics systems that it needed to actually carry out the final solution once they decided that that was the most sensible thing. Yeah, that's not creepy at all. But uh, check out how many people Stalin had killed uh, before, during, and, uh, of his own people in the purges. You know, you don't need to be any particular ethnicity you don't even need to be a particular class. You don't even really need to have particular ideas. It was literally these death rolls that, that Stalin would make one of two marks next to. Check it out. It's it's fucking darkness. That, that, that book, The Bloodlands, is one of the most depressing books I've ever read in my entire life. Okay, so, now, our big news this week is we want to mark the end of an era. Um, not just an era, but like we want to say a huge thank you to our friend and uh, uh, Linux broadcaster, podcaster, but broadcaster specifically um, and technical, you know, technical journalist and uh, system administrator and a hero of the literally a hero of the people Chris Fisher I've not been able to go in I've not emotionally been prepared to go into threads and I have not watched the episodes to find out the details but Chris Fisher I saw this on Twitter like last week announced officially that um, I don't know if the Linux Action Show which is the flagship of Jupiter Broadcasting's um programs and has been the best and most effective one of the longest running but the best and most effective um, advocacy you know Linux and free and open source advocacy things but also has been a beacon and has served as a beacon especially for me personally over the last six years I and I, I found them late um, Chris has been basically engaged in this work tire, tirelessly and relentlessly um, and is for 10 years now and uh, this is a this made me humongously sad it was like I can't even tell you really uh, words words fail me if, we're, if you were a part of that community the Jupiter Broadcasting community then you know that the editorial tone and style and the fact that Chris Fisher one of the best and most effective communicators about anything, but in, especially in terms of technical, you know, from system administration to um, to Linux, very, uh, you know, blah, endlessly fascinating with technology, just like me, and he goes back to Linux to where I go. Like, we both actually started with the same uh, distro in, like, as Mandrake. Um, I, I still have my fucking printed manual from there. Anyway, over the last decade, Chris Fisher has turned Jupiter Broadcasting via the Linux Action Show, with the help of other hosts and all of it being community-driven, 
and gaining critical, awesome fucking mass by being community driven um, and relying not just on like, you know, FOSS uh, as, you know, a technical or ideological or design perspective or um, blah, but as a way of development of community. Chris Fisher managed to forge um, Jupiter Broadcasting not just into a light uh, where the pot, you know, each episode of the podcast and the recording sessions of them as they were live streamed while he recorded them were something that you look forward to because it was finally the other people from your planet and it was your daily dose and I was a fucking hardcore professional um six years ago, I mean, and I'd spent 20 years in Linux. It was crazy. You turn around one day and it's like, oh my god, this is it's like 15 fucking years of this shit. Um, and 10 years of being Windows only at that point. More, yeah, more. Eh. I, might be, I might be fucking up my timeline here. Anyway, the point is, Chris Fisher and I, you know, I don't want to minimize the role that many other, many hands have played, not just in Linux Action Show, but in the Jupiter Broadcasting Network, but, I mean, from, you know, Q5Sys, who's one of the first, this is an inter- happy science, everyone, by the way, from the IRC channel. Um, happy science, Anonymous, happy science, count zero, um, I am icon, uh, Q5Sys, not safe for work, uh, nice mohawk, um, uh, you know, many, many voices who help to coalesce around and either officially help via production assistant producer roles or technical um, rollouts and stuff or volunteering to be engineers and actually becoming parts of the Jupiter fucking broadcast team once they got uh, their own studio and stuff all of this shit is free and open source community driven style development of a broadcasting network that is not was I mean Jupiter Broadcasting insofar as I know is not going away Linux Action Show itself um all I heard was that Chris Fisher is leaving it and he's been the host um cheers Matt Hartley I mean you know and Noah currently anyway all these people but ultimately at the end of the day Chris Fisher for everyone, especially for people who really have used Linux for as long as I have um, or who have worked in these these technical fields um, you know networking, system administration um, we none of us ever had anyone that we liked to talk to or that we felt we could talk to even if we happened to work in an office with other people do who also technically were supposed to really understand the same shit that we we did. It's a it's a very traditionally like you know if if you spent twenty years with it, um, you know that this is a lonely and isolating and socially isolating and intellectually ultimately isolating thing. Way worse than, you know, even being a network engineer, like a, you know, a a Cisco network engineer, or having like a Red Hat certification and working for a company. You know, blah, you know, there, you know, you're not if you spent, you know, years working as a stringer, freelance programmer, 
or any anyone in 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 this in in that that, that worked with Linux, you are even more isolated than even the most crazy technical people. Probably even if you stayed at one company, you were probably the most technically minded. And the other thing is that we grew up with you know Usenet and IRC, and that there was no web at the time. Um, this is before Tim Berners-Lee came out with it. Anyway, I'm saying that everything was very difficult and the type of knowledge that you... everything I mean, very, 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 very difficult. And uh, there was not much opportunity for you to meet people who would help you and asking questions in Usenet even if you had lurked for all your life <laughs> at that point. You know, let's say you lurked for two years. Well, it's going to take you about eight years before you can get up to like where anyone who I mean, because there's like you know oh what fifteen people in you know 1993 who <laughs> may be able to help you. I mean fucking I, there's no Linux yet, but anyway that's how that's that's how you know blah. And so like socially isolating, but also it's even if you knew nice people, generally the nice people that you knew, and as you matured, as I matured at least, you know I'm fucking old. I'm you know born 1876, 1880. Actually, I'm I'm a hundred fucking thirty seven years old. Um, very much like Chris Fisher, the best hair in Linux broadcasting, by the way. Uh, <coughs> anyway, if you spend it, and and this is true, this scales too, even for people who are new to Linux or who are new to like learning how to program and stuff. If you found Jupiter Broadcasting, you found immediately. The other people from your planet, and this goes, this cuts across all levels, really, of expertise, but not of interest. You had to be very interested in this stuff. This stuff had to be a prime mover in your life. And uh, by the time you're that far down the rabbit hole, realistically, you spend a lot of time. I'm talking about like you know, decade, decade and a half. You know, that's a long time. Um, predominantly without ever meeting anyone or hearing anyone's real voice or seeing anyone and hearing their voice talk about one, the issues that you cared about, in a, two in a way that was technically accurate three, in a tone and attitude that was great, it was infectious it was professional but it was also um unpretentious, completely available that's Chris Fisher uh, by the way, he is he if you go, if you go look at any of the Linux Action Show or TechSnap episodes, that is who Chris Fish, Fish, Fisher is. When I first met him in person, I was like, "What the fucking no way? Cannot be that you are actually the same guy." Yeah, I mean, there, there is no affectation, blah. And he, uh, he cared, and uh, he cared about free and open source software. Really just as much as he cared about the importance of technology and its ever-evolving role in our modern world and um, brought brought a, a broad range of expertise, experience, and a great depth of it in certain areas. Never, ever, ever said, oh, I know how to do this or whatever. Like, this is like the the fourth personality type that, you know, if you grew up with this stuff, you've become all too, you know, in my case, you know, if if you're prof- professional or semi-professional working in this field, well, 
you get very good at just spotting these people and, you know, trying not to have to deal with them or whatever. Um, or just being aware of like, okay, well, this guy's really insecure and he doesn't really know how to talk to people either. And he also doesn't really know, or at least he has no confidence in, uh, in his technical expertise in terms of what his job requires. You can always spot these people. They are the most aggressive in a corporate environment. They are the most aggressive, snippety, backbiting, because they're afraid. And uh, not only are they afraid, they're paralyzed by that fear. uh, And they don't know where to go. And in terms of like to actually learn what the fuck it is that they're doing and so like you know they try to step on people and crush people because they're I don't know if you freelanced ever or liaised with a corporation for even a brief amount of time to solve like an immediate um, software issue uh, or even a system administration meets software issues so like you know bridging the gap between uh, you know the SQL backend and inventory versus uh, you know, what's actually going on with their accounting or, you know, maybe even the, the front end of, uh, you know, even like a point of sale platform or whatever, but uh, you know, blah, just like getting the sequel to, or whatever, you know, getting whatever type of, uh, information from there. Anyway, if you've ever dealt with that, then you know that the last person generally who is going to be helpful is whoever is professionally supposed to be the IT guy for whatever reason. Generally, they're, it's just because they're overworked and like, you know, their bosses have no idea what the fuck and things break and this is my job and all of a sudden they have to bring in somebody like you. Hired gun is going to like just be there for three days and fix this. But you have to learn, you have to, you know, blo- God is not, these people do not want to cooperate with you generally because it makes them look terrible even if it's not their fault and you know, it might not be their fault um, but many times <laughs> anyway, I, but that's not my job and like, you know, this is just fundamentally these days it's gone so much better but it's still, I see this all the time um, anyway the Jupiter Broadcasting beacon that was, you know, really it, it uh, the shining the, the torch of the Statue of Liberty of Jupiter Broadcasting was Linux Action Show and then eventually TechSnap, but still Linux Action Show oh my god, it was a show you could show to your mom or show to the smart you know, the, the only other person that, you know, you might be working with on a project or whatever who is as smart as you to help explain a complicated subject and you know then they're addicted and it was it was through the technical accuracy the fact that no one else was talking about free and open source issues in this practical approachable way that scaled like they were like Chris Fisher on TechSnap Chris Fisher and Alan Jew god damn it i i had you know what is like the equivalent of like a $70,000 education over the last six years in terms of, you know, areas of network administration and engineering that I will never use, but like, oh yeah, okay um, I I can think of questions where they answered questions there's no such thing as a stupid question um, for for either of these shows, more or less um, and they, they would answer whatever they felt was most beneficial uh, 
whatever was or most unique or whatever and they would go to any length of detail required to answer it it wasn't like they were talking to children it was like they were talking to other people who they liked and respected and um it was a civilizing influence but more so than that this was the best thank you Chris Fisher whose ethos and editorial approach and dogged, dogged, fastidious fucking journalistic and broadcasting acumen and uh, his endless endless patience and um, just, uh, he's truly a hero of the people and you can't understand what the years of endless sacrifice, I remember when some of his kids were born um, and the, the, the community that he fostered entirely unique is my greatest hope that it will, you know, survive and persevere because at any point over the last four or five years, and I've said this to all different types of people, once I found out there was a hack space in Las Vegas and started meeting people at the hack space and, you know, all different kinds of, you know, blah. Other than that, just meeting people at Linux Fest Northwest, which is my only other, like, real face-to-face interaction with people who are constantly involved in this sort of stuff at all different kinds of levels and, you know, who... You know, if if they, they if they you know they want to talk about it, they want to you know ask questions, or you have questions, you want to ask them out, you know, blah, blah blah blah. This entire driven, entirely egoless, fantastic technical interfacing with other people from your planet, which was a regenerative force in my week, every week, and was really the fruition of something that I thought I would never get to see in my lifetime, going back from the time I was thirteen. 12 even, 12 even on Telnet and BBS, and then 13 on Uzen IRC, and then oh, away we go with the internet. I never thought that uh, ultimately that the technology would become simple, simple enough and formalized enough. I never thought that the dream of Mandrake would ever be anything beyond the five years of brokenness that I endured. Anyway, um, but that, that, you know, that's Linux, that, and that was Linux. If you don't remember, Linux went absolutely, literally zero. Nothing worked, and there wasn't even, we didn't even have X as like a fucking. Anyway, I never thought that these things would become formalized, and then also that languages would become, and that the logic would become so high level, and et cetera, and that we would get so good at it. And all of this is powered by free and open source technology, which is why I have a tattoo on my arm. It says Linux. Anyway, I never thought that we would ever get to a place where, one, the dream of Mandrake would be fulfilled, which happened with Ubuntu 8, which marked my grand return, you know, my return to Linux, which was a grand thing for me at the time. Um, And then about, you know, six months later, I was like, I don't need a fucking Windows machine at all in my house. You know, I'll still support that for other people or whatever. You know, everything is a functionally, it's a toolkit, all of it. What does the client need to do? What are they trying to do? How do they want to do it? You know, blah, blah, blah. I never thought that we would get to the point where that dream of Mandrake would become fulfilled and then everything would become so not impossible. And that's really where we are now. I mean, it's, it's, it's the era of miracles in terms of Linux itself, which is behind so much innovation. Tire 3D printing, Revolution. You want to talk about oh, well, when they, you know people don't understand what free and open source means. They never have. 
they're starting to get a better handle on it. It is a, it's not just a design ethos, it's not a technological approach, it's not just um, a pattern, it's not just a, um, uh, a way to structure teams and intellectual advancement and research, it is all of these things, and it is an it, it's a scientific, it's a method for really unlocking the true potential of um, computer sciences. It's the best and only way that will ultimately carry us forward. Um, it is a fabulous movement. And by the time I realize, I start to you know, really, really, really realize what free, like, oh, free is in freedom, not free is in beer. By the time they, you know, I'd spent 10 years or whatever in Linux long enough to finally, you know, begin tackling what that question, or what that statement actually really meant. Um, you know, by that time you're that far down the rabbit hole, you can't talk to anyone. No one understands what the fuck you're talking about. And it gets stronger and deeper in you, especially as you see the movement rise. And it is risen. And, uh, there's been no more effective, no more pivotal Seriously, I say this because it's the most watched podcast for Linux. But beyond that, I used to say, and I hope I will always be able to say, regardless of whether or not anyone fucking cares about, you know, what I'm doing in Linux or blah, always being able to point people to the IRC chat room for Jupiter Broadcasting always being able to tell them from, we're talking from like noobs to trying to think of the most brilliant person that I'm um, I, anyway to like, you know, guys who are not just network engineers, but uh, have worked as network engineers but now are actually hardcore system administrators in the enterprise uh, level um, I met one, that was one of the the things that happened this weekend that took too much time. Anyway, being able to always tell any one of these people whether they're, you know, my mom or whoever all the way up the chain, all the way to people who are similarly skilled or not skilled or who have this question or that question. Dude, you, you know what? The other thing I would always recommend jump into the IRC chat room for Jupiter Broadcasting because never in my life whether they're recording an episode or not. Never in my life have I ever been part of a community at any given time, any hour of the day, any day of the week. Never has there been a a gathering of smarter people who are nicer and who are there to help each other and to help anyone with anything. And are smart enough to scale from, you know, the tiniest, like, where you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, so, yeah, no, you're gonna wanna, like, use DD for that, and it's, okay, so here's the syntax for it, here's a, you know, blah, and then check out this, uh, you know, walkthrough, and then you'll get, you know, your USB boot disk up and running, and then, you know, you'll have to figure out your BIOS, but then, next time you restart, you should be on your way. None of us ever had this kind of basic help to begin with we spent decade in the dark more or less you know anything that was possible 
if any, if anyone could help you, or if anyone did help you, or if you could find anyone who could help you, or if you could find the information that you needed, that was a bonus. Everything else you had to fucking figure out on your own, and it was impossible. Um, and that's you know part of the whole idea of you know free and open source as a community thing is that you constantly give back, and we all get there together. So don't be a fucking asshole who just looks at some kid and read the fucking manual. Even even back then in the Usenet when I when I first jumped on Usenet, you know, RTFM wasn't a thing. So you know, it's like there were no printed manuals really. The internet was too new. Anyway, so I hope that happy. I hope that ha- the calls of happy science will continue to ring out on the Jupiter Broadcasting IRC channel. And when I get more comfortable on an emotional level with Chris Fisher, who deserves, if he is tired of this, not only has he done yeoman service, he's been he's literally done so much work on this thankless work, really thankless work. Um, and non-renumerative work work that sacrifices have been made and not just like big sacrifices but every fucking day every hour of your day for 10 fucking years sacrifices and uh, the the, um, the spirit that he brought built this community I hope long may it last but ultimately no matter what happens, and no matter what Chris Fisher goes on to do, even though he's an idiot right now, I told him, do not go to Texas, ever, but especially, ah, Texas in April, April through September, oh, really don't go then, don't go there then, um, he just tweeted something from the road, uh, yesterday, I was like, yeah, you see, Fallout 2 was prettier than this Vista, and Fallout 2 was irradiated, that was a plus, in comparison to where you are in this picture because this picture you just told me was taken in Texas that means you're already fuck what what are you doing in Texas anyway wherever he wants to go whatever he wants to do he, not only has he earned it whatever happens with Jupiter broadcasting in, in in its entirety and whatever happens to Linux action show um sadly whatever happens with TechSnap which you know he and Alan Jude decide to Taught, uh, hand the torch over to a different set of hosts, which is unthinkable to me. Um, but whatever, you know, hey, six years is fucking fantastic. Gave us a friend every week. And then once you got addicted to the friend every week, Chris Fisher and Matt Hartley, you know, blah, the people on the, on the shows, that you got addicted to them very quickly. And then you were in the chat room, and then you got addicted to the friends that you made in the chat room. Not because they were your friends, even, although many of them, in my case, they became my friends. Um, but because, oh my god, I have never seen smarter people. I mean, a, a bigger group of just pound for pound, the most technically intelligent, across every fucking range of question that you could have. And who are fantastically nice and incredibly responsive um and not without a totally you know deranged sense of humor or whatever like you know like me like every uh every, every tech talk today hey mumble room say hello whiskey you know well I, I was never a tech you know i never volunteered um really uh you know 
not like you five sis or any of the other, but I tried to do my part. Like, you know, like I, 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 I talked, I came on certain shows and talked about certain things that, you know, I knew certain things about or about a certain project that, you know, blah. Um, you know, and I, I donated, um, over the years, but anyway, um, my hope is that, and I, it's, I, I, I have an unshakable faith that what Chris Fisher has done with Jupiter Broadcasting not only has changed the face of free and open source software and advanced the cause of Linux and advanced the idea of freeze and freedom, not freeze and beer, the Stallman, go go, just find the episode of Linux Action Show where Richard Stallman goes, I think we should make those businesses fail. <laughs> mm. And eventually, uh, anyway, I know that the enduring legacy, no matter what, even if it happens only silently, I know that he, I know that Chris Fisher and him is a force behind, both in front of the camera, behind the camera, and setting up the network and everything, uh, has not just changed the level of discourse for Linux and free and open source, but also for technology, and has established in tens of thousands of rabid fans the actual feeling of what it means to have that aspect of community that so many of us, like, you know, 1993 in Las Vegas in the middle of the desert, small town, and I lived in, it was like Tatooine, not fucking kidding you. I didn't even, I didn't even know anybody. There were no kids. I didn't even know it, you know, blah, 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 blah. And so, you know, growing up with computers my whole life, I didn't know anyone who knew anything about that. I wouldn't even know. Anyway. Finally, even after 20 years or whatever, 20 plus, my whole life, really, just being on the outside or feeling that I was on the outside. And then eventually, once I knew what the fuck I was doing and, you know, blah, blah, blah being made to feel like it's like over the last seven years in a professional capacity even more isolated than because oh yeah I know he's a fucking you know it's just a mayor you know blah blah like fuck you man I rule your universe buddy you know and you don't say that um and you 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 know as you grow up and become an adult like you know you you adopt your attitude um to to uh take into account the reality of this attitude, but it's it that is that there's a price to pay for it, and so like go find your hack space, go check out Jupiter Broadcasting, and most of all, thank you, Chris Fisher, for um, for being uh you know really my my first real Linux friend was my uh room, housemate I had for uh four years uh ish. That was a long time ago. Yeah. Anyway, that was like you know my my late twenties. Um, but even then, you know, we didn't talk about. We occasionally we did. If we had a problem, we did. We talked about Linux. Um, but we we were busy with other stuff. Like you know, he's teaching me like oh carpentry and shit like that. Like thank you Webster. Um, but but Webster was the guy who was like, oh, dude, you gotta check out Ubuntu. I'm like, what's Ubuntu? 
He's like, it's Linux for your mom. And I'm like, oh, you mean Mandrake? He's like, yeah, it's... Anyway, apart from Webster, we and even with Webster, we didn't... You didn't have the, the sense of a, a friend in Linux, a friend in open source. I didn't. My whole life, at all, for any technical shit, till I found Jupiter Broadcasting, till I met Chris Fisher. So, Anonymous, count zero. Too many people that I can... I would like to shout out to uh, Happy Science and uh, Angela Ursula and Alan Jude and Noah and Matt Hartley. Commander Hartley, Dark Overlord Hartley. The, the last six years have changed the way people communicate about Linux to each other and how they feel that they're able to I've seen it from Linux Fest Northwest to Linux Fest Northwest, which is a remarkably chilled and awesome gathering of people anyway, but um, may may uh, these contributions and this, the edifice of this um, not just from a civil, civilizing kind of way you know, we will talk about things in technical detail and great technical detail, but we'll explain them, and if you don't know you can ask, and we'll answer you know, like, and that's that's, it's always been the dream, and it's always been, you know, like, the way I tried to help people, um, with stuff. Uh, but yeah. Big shoes, big, big emptiness, uh, but that's okay. Chris Fisher's earned the right to not only have whatever future he wants doing whatever he wants, Chris Fisher has the right to be forever remembered as a hero of the people. Like, literally, Linus Torvalds, Richard Stallman, um, Chris Fisher. I think that'll be ultimately how history will see him. Happy science. Keep circulating the tapes. And, uh, you know, so yeah, that's the big story. Goodbye, Linux Action Show. Goodbye, Chris Fisher. Keep in touch. And a great friend to all, everyone who ever met Chris Fisher. You know, not only is he the funniest, smartest, nicest, most charismatic, most personable guy in the room, he's also the guy who totally is the most patient, friendliest, funniest, and among the smartest. Um. Yeah. Cheers. You've job well done, my friend. Happy science, and I will see. Uh, I we were going to talk about what we're working on, but we've gone on for an hour, and this is you know. I haven't cried, um. So we'll cut it off here. I'll get this episode out, and uh, I will see you in like two days. Uh, get your taxes done, try not to pay attention to the nuclear apocalypse as it unfolds around us, and definitely go jupiterbroadcasting.com uh, and even though I hope, even though the show's you know, I, I don't know if Linux Action Show is going to continue in any form, but the archives are still there for now um, go download them all watch them episode by episode the shit in most of them, especially uh, TechSnap actually, but Linux Action Show, oh you're going to have a great time this show would not have existed without Linux Action Show. This is my second podcast, but my first uh, to cover, you know, Linux 
and uh, to really directly cover gaming, that was a product of two things. Steam coming to Linux, which meant, oh, this is a whole new fucking world, not just for Linux, but uh, not just for gaming on Linux, but for Linux itself. Um, and uh, Jupiter Broadcasting's lineup of shows, which were led by Linux Action Show. Goodbye, lass. Thanks for all the fish. Happy science. Welcome, Richard Stallman, to the show. And uh, we've got a whole list of questions and topics for him, but I know he also has some introductions he wants to do. Richard, welcome to the Linux Action Show. Uh, what's the sorry, Chris. Show? Sorry, Chris. Oh, the GNU, right. the GNU slash Linux Action right. Show. Sorry, it's five years of habit, but I'm making the change. I'm, I'm working Good. on it. <laughs> Basically, in 1983, <clears throat> I decided I wanted to make it possible to use a computer in freedom. Now, since the computer won't do anything without an operating system, that meant we needed an operating system you could use in freedom. In other words, one that was free software, freedom-respecting software. So I started writing one, and I gave it the name GNU. So I wrote some pieces. I recruited other people to write pieces. Some pieces I found. In some cases, I convinced people to make their software free so it could be used in GNU, such as in the case of Berkeley, the people who had developed BSD, which was proprietary at the time. And in 1992, GNU was almost complete, but it still didn't was missing one major component, the kernel. And that's when Torvalds, who had a proprietary kernel called Linux, made it free software and it filled the last gap in GNU. And the combination is the GNU slash Linux system. So this is an operating system that overall exists not for a technical goal and not for a commercial goal, but rather so you can have freedom. And that's what it's all about. Now, Richard, I wonder, uh, do you, 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 you touched on something there that uh, really resonates with me. You say its goal isn't commercial, its goal is freedom. But uh, right. you look at the technology landscape today, and you, it's, you, you're well aware how many people are actually now making money off of free software. There's nothing wrong with that. Remember, I didn't say it's anti-commercial. The point is, most operating systems were developed either for a technical motive or for a commercial motive, but the motive for developing GNU was an idealistic political motive. Do you think it detracts so from that the we goal? can have freedom. Do you think, what? Do you think, the, uh, do you think it detracts from that goal? Well, it can in some cases, but it's a complicated relationship. You shouldn't think that either it's political or commercial. There's no, they don't add up to a constant amount. Mm. Uh, what we find is that in general, the free software community members mostly don't know about the goal of freedom and don't think about it. <laughs> right, right. And so they're very likely to do things such as add non-free programs to the system. Right. Now, this is not, it's not only businesses that do this. There are over a thousand GNU slash Linux distros and there are something like 10 or so that are entirely free software. Yeah, it's difficult to find them, yeah. Well, it's not that difficult to find them, but the po you can find them all in gnu.org slash distros. That's true. There you go. <laughs> the point is that 
who chooses them? The people who really care about freedom, the people who've come to recognize that a non-free program is an injustice. It's an attack on your freedom. Once you see it that way, you say, get it out of here. I, and you start being willing to go to efforts to escape from non-free software, mm-hmm. which is what this is all about. After all, writing the GNU system was a big effort that we made in order to escape from non-free software. But with most of the community not being aware of these ideas at all, you find lots of people who think only in terms of what's convenient right now. And then the businesses that maintain GNU slash Linux systems, well, they they offer what they think the users want. They're looking for success rather than uh, spreading the liberation of cyberspace. And sad to say, with the community as it is, they're right in believing that they will get more success by offering a system that's not entirely free. <laughs> but the result of this is to spread the same weakness. Because after all, the, the voice of the free software movement is not heard all that much in our community. The What people mostly formulate their idea of the goal from is the distros they see most people using and what they hear most people saying mm-hmm. about those distros. So most people who come into our community, far from being told, we've escaped from non-free software, we're free now, they hear, look at this convenient distro, isn't it attractive? And as a result, the weakness of the community propagates itself hmm. and our efforts are mainly dedicated nowadays to uh to informing people about the ideas that we built the system for hmm. do you feel that's a possibly a generational gap as well as uh, younger people move into uh this area that perhaps haven't been around since the uh, beginning days that they don't have an appreciation for it as much well so that i don't know if that's really relevant <clears throat> at all i'm not sure it's any different now in this regard from what it was 20 years ago in other words it was that way already Ah, right. uh, okay, right. right, good point. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I, I just want to close with a clip. Um, I've you'll get that for me. Yeah. Um, this is not even from Linux Action Show, but this, this is from TechSnap, um, and it's one of my favorite Jupiter Broadcasting moments. I miss the faux show, faux show, social experience, not a real show. Angela Ursula, but uh, yeah, here's Alan Jude and uh, Chris Fisher. This is from TechSnap episode 47. Oh, I'm going to check that out. That's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's in the PDF file. All right. Pages in. All right. Well, uh, let's talk about Microsoft. What do you say? Are you ready? Yes. Okay. So Microsoft is, of course, trying to make a transition from the on your desktop and in your server room rack kind of traditional model that might be starting to slow down and they're trying to move out into the cloud. So they've built the Windows Azure platform which, of course, is their new sort of competitor to what a lot of the other guys are out there doing. Right. So they got a bit of egg on their face. You know, the Amazon EC2 and that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, But this week, they kind of had a bumpy week, didn't they, Alan? Yes. Uh, what happened? Uh, so, basically, the Microsoft Azure cloud was down for most of the day on February 29th. Ouch. Uh, like, the service management system was down for over nine hours. Oh. Uh, the data sync service was down for 19 hours. Oh! And there's all kinds of problems. Uh, and suspiciously, they, most of the problems seem to have started around February 29th 
at 0800 UTC. Huh. What do you suppose that means? Well, that happens to mean that if you're at Microsoft headquarters, which is in Pacific time, right, which is minus 800, right, that is exactly 0000 on February 29th. Ah. So they had like some sort of leap day. Yeah, they had some sort of leap day problem, didn't they? The the Azure cloud wasn't leap day compatible. (laughs) So Microsoft uh, says that the outage appears to have been caused by a leap year software bug. Wow. Are you serious? I mean, really, guys? I mean, Uh, really? Have you not been writing software for like 30 years now, guys? (laughs) It's like, how did, why is it even done that way? Yeah, it's true. It's like, you know, I'm sure somewhere out there, there's a BSD's licensed library for converting time, like C time into dates. Well, now I wonder if... Perfectly uh, immune to leap years. I wonder if Apple suffered any kind of outages and issues with their whole iCloud and iTunes system, because I believe part of their iCloud stuff runs on the Azure platform. Um, really? But Yeah. That, that's I know. like... Well, weirdest thing I've ever heard. No, no. See, the new I Apple, know. the new right. Apple hates Google, and they work yes. with Microsoft now. Right, uh, right. But for sure, you know, when EC2 goes down, even if it's just one half of EC2, uh, yeah. you really, you yeah. really notice. I mean, Reddit, like not, a lot not of so stuff much anymore, goes down. But Reddit used to go down. Uh, Pastebin, Pinboard. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of big stuff. Netflix. Is like yeah, huge, Netflix. Yeah, uh, Instapaper. Um, a lot of big stuff goes down. Yeah. Uh, when the Azure went down, I didn't even notice until I saw the headline. Uh, I didn't notice either. However, there were a number of things that did go down. Uh, okay. The UK government's G Cloud Cloud Store service. <laughs> it runs uh, on Azure. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Way to go there, government. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, on, at, uh, on February 28th at 5.45 or 5.45 p.m., uh, Microsoft Standard Time, <laughs> right? Uh, Windows Azure operations became aware of an issue impacting the compute service in a number of regions. Now, it's not clear now. So that's before the leap year would have started for them, or the leap day. Oh, okay. But if the regions they're talking about in Asia were on right. local time, right, it would have. Yep. So I'm not 100 percent sure about that. I bet uh, that's or, exactly or what happened. A separate issue, either way. Uh, so, yeah, while the root cause analysis is still in progress, uh, the issue appears to be due to a time calculation that was incorrect for the leap year. I'm still confused as how the time, you know, even if they thought it was March 1st now, right? Yeah. Like, right. Not having a 29th and going to March 1st. Yeah. How, what, unless they were going from the other way. So... A text string says that it's February 29th and tries to convert it to C time and says there is no February 29th. Right. That, that could, you know, you get a negative one as your time. So it's 23.59.59 on uh, December 31st, 1969. This <laughs> is anyway. embarrassing. I mean, it very did, much so. This is like they're, they're trying to sell this as the, uh, at, like they're going to like it's, IT shops look, and businesses high, and saying, it's, you know, it's high availability. It won't go down as much as your data center. The whole idea and is, is that we, we replace a component, a large, important component of your infrastructure. So you don't have to build that out. We build it out for you. You host with us. And if, if people, if they're going down because of leap, leap year mistakes, I mean, people are going to remember that. 
People are going to be like, that was the service that had that really bad outage because they just didn't think of something. Well, you know, the next next thought in somebody's head is when you're when you're comparing all these different options, the next thing somebody's going to say is, well, what's to say they didn't think not think of something else? Yeah, there's. I mean, the track record really counts well, in these what's things. What's going to happen on daylight savings time? Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> what's going to happen on December twenty first, twenty twelve? They'll probably just shut down because the developers figure they didn't need to code beyond that, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tech Week Europe has a bunch of coverage, including some specifics about the UK government outage. Uh, Get it out of here. Ten years, man! Ten! Where have you been for ten years? Ten years, man! Ten! Ten years! Ten years! Ten! Ten years! Ten years! There is no Windows version of weaponized chips. And NVIDIA has been the single worst company we've ever dealt with. So, NVIDIA, fuck you. Thank you some friends there. Look what you've done! It only runs on Linux, a good idea. There is no Windows version of weaponized chess. Boy, this is fucking ponderous, man. Ponderous, fucking ponderous. It only runs on Linux. It's not a problem. You alienated part of America. I alienated crazy people. I like it very much. It is I, E.B. Farm. You're becoming hysterical. I'm here. I'm there, I'm fucking everywhere. I'm the Eggman. The best Linux games podcast is brought to you by Blue Wizard is about to die. Now available for the first time as an ebook on Amazon.com. To subscribe to the podcast using a Linux-based podcatcher like Podracer, or to see our YouTube gameplay videos, please visit www.bestlinuxgames.com. Also, join our Steam community group, Best Linux Games, Friends Cookie Sprite, and follow him on Twitter at VegasWriter. BLGP is also brought to you by the Radio Control Room Project. For details, please visit www.rcrproject.com or rfihc.com. Zig thanks you. For great justice.